Well, thanks be to God for all that's taken place so far. I invite you to take a Bible and open it to Luke chapter 15 that was read for us a few moments ago. This morning we come to week eight of our series, Created to Thrive. It's the last Sunday of our series. And if you remember, we started June 11th with this wonderful affirmation of God's presence that the dwelling place of God was among the people of God's creation, that God is in us, that God is among us and God is with us. And throughout the rest of that series, we have covered what it means to be and create a place of welcome. Last Sunday, Pastor Brad talked to us from Isaiah chapter six about all that is sacred and the presence of God and all that is sacred. This morning we come to this passage in Luke chapter 15, which is the story of the prodigal son. And this morning I want us to look at this passage perhaps a little differently than maybe we have in the past. But to think about the attitudes and the behaviors that shape this story. To think about what behaviors and attitudes these three individuals portray as this story is told by Jesus. Remember, this is not an account of a real life event. This is a parable. It's a parable Jesus told. It was one of three parables Jesus told in those moments. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the prodigal son. And so it is that we have suggested in these eight weeks that there is a place, there is a life in which you and I are created to thrive, in which God in God's creative work has sought to make this life a life of thriving, a life of great joy, a life of hope. And that is best done when rooted in sound theology and a right understanding of what God's presence means. What does all of this mean? Amy Julia Becker said it this way, I write that all is ordinary, but of course C.S. Lewis once put it, there are no ordinary people. The only people we encounter are those created in the image of God, those formed and shaped with the purpose of participating in God's work of redemptive love in and among us. And so when those very ordinary people gather for an ordinary service in an ordinary building on an ordinary Sunday morning, it can become quite extraordinary. Think about it. Every once in a while, someone will come to me in recent months and say, you know, something's happening. I'm not sure what it is, but something's happening. And I'm convinced that there is something happening, but I'm also convinced that we should not define what's happening. 
Because the moment we define what it is, we begin to put boundaries and limits on what's happening because it begins to be our expectation rather than the work and the moving of the Spirit. And so when we come to this parable this morning, as the concluding message of this series, I want to invite you this morning to let happen whatever needs to happen. This passage invites us to reflect on the road home. The road home. For I want to suggest to you this morning that all three of the characters in here, the younger son, the father, and the older son, are all individually on their own journey. So let's explore that for a few moments. First, we might want to remember that the road home can be traveled in two directions. You can travel away from home. You can travel toward home. My wife will tell you, I'm a guy that loves to leave home. I like to go. When we're on a trip somewhere, on a vacation somewhere, I'll start start talking about the next one before we even finish the first one. And Joan will say to me, can we just be home? But think about these three characters in this parable. And ask yourself, which way are they traveling on the road home? Are they traveling away from home? Are they traveling toward home? We must also remember that the direction of travel is shaped by choices. Choices that we make. Choices that they made. You think about some of the choices they made. It's easy for us to talk about the choice of the younger son to ask for his inheritance, to leave home to a distant country and to squander his wealth so that he has nothing left. But we also should think about the choice of the father to grant his request. The father, in some ways, is a participant in the son's behavior. But let's also pursue that a little bit farther and say, the father's behavior reflects the behavior of our creator who created us and gave us free will. And so the choice of the son do not make the father responsible for the son's choices, but only that the son, that the father made possible what the son could do with the son's inheritance. Can you hear those choices? You and I have free will. Our Heavenly Father created us with free sovereignty so that we could choose which direction we're going to travel on the road home. And so when we reflect on the choice of the younger son, let's also reflect on the choice of the father who makes those choices possible.
Our choices shape those ways in which we travel, including the choice of others, the forces of systems that we grew up with that we may not even be aware of, the choices of others whose behavior has shaped our lives and our choices, those who live with us, among us, and around us, thinking and being and living behaviors that were passed along to us in the families of origin that we grew up in. Have you ever said, I will not be like my father, I will not be like my mother, and someday you say something and you hear yourself go, oh, that is so much my mother, that is so much my father. Those things sometimes are inescapable but so are the way we choose to live lives at times and behaviors. How often do those who engage in counseling tell us that those of us who grew up in families who hurt one another become people who hurt one another. Hurt people hurt people. You can be freed from that it takes intentionality, it takes time, but think about that. The forces of families of origin that shape who we are, that shape our choices, and lead us into places and we wonder, how did we get here? Verse 13 tells us that the younger son got together all he had and set off for distant country. And then the scripture tells us he didn't have anything left. And he was working with the pigs. He had come to a place that was so distant from where he began it was not about geography now, it was about experience so different than that he was taught and grew up with. The recognition of how far is not geographical, it is to say how far he is separated from the beliefs of his father and the teaching of his faith. The younger son's request for inheritance reflects a lack of wisdom as does our own choice to live life our own way outside of God's provision. But something happens in the story. The son's revelation that he could go home is a recognition that the son, in spite of his choices, still has a relationship with his father. Think about what that means. The son still has a relationship with his father. And somehow he recognizes the possibility of that still existing relationship. That that relationship with his father has possibility that he had not conceived of or thought of. And you'll notice in those verses, he uses the phrase, my father, three times. 
My father's house and my father's servants have more to eat than I do. I will get up and go home to my father and I will say to my father, I have sinned against you. The possibility of a relationship with his father turns him around and puts him on the road back toward home. But when he gets home, something curious happens. His older brother does not celebrate his return. I find that a curious response. Think about the attitude and behavior of the older brother. The older brother displays behavior that suggests the older brother is threatened by the return of the son. I have stayed home, I have done everything you ask of me, and yet you celebrate my younger brother who has lived a life foreign to our way of life and our thinking and our faith. And here is this older brother who is angry toward his father. Think about that. But I've been wondering about this older son and wondering, so which direction on the road home is the older son going? And I would suggest to us this morning that the older son is now squandering his inheritance. For his inheritance just isn't the physical assets that he's been given, but it's the family because he will become the patriarch of the family. And I wonder, what will he remember someday in the future about those moments? What will his younger brother remember about those moments? What will the people celebrating in the house remember about the older brother's behavior in that moment? It's easy for us to shake our head about the older brother's behavior and go, you know, he's clearly on the road away from home, the home described by the father. But before you get too far down the road being hard on the older brother, I would suggest we be as gracious with the older brother as we are with the younger brother. Because sometimes, sometimes, Sometimes we take an older brother attitude. Somebody returns in the journey of faith along the way and we say to ourselves or even to one another, we'll, we'll see if it lasts. You see the older brother attitude? We'll see. And in that moment, we begin our own journey away from home. Could I just say to us this morning that however many times it takes someone to get it, we ought to just keep celebrating every time they come home. 
So thanks be to God, they're still working at it. They're still working out their salvation. They're still trying. They're still listening. They're still persevering. And the Spirit of God clearly is at work. And someday it's going to happen and it's going to click and it's going to come together. And I want to be there to celebrate and I'm going to celebrate every time. And what does the Father do? The Father says, my son who is lost has come home. And he goes out to the older brother and says, come in, come in, come in. And it's just like Jesus to leave us without the rest of the story. But here we are. I want to suggest to you this morning that home is the kingdom of God. And you and I are all on a journey either toward the kingdom of God or away from the kingdom of God. And God the Father beckons us toward the kingdom, always is beckoning us toward the kingdom, always is saying, here's the way home. And my prayer is that you and I will always remember that wherever we are on the journey, we always have a relationship with our Father. And that there is hope for us. That there's hope for our family, that there's hope for our loved ones, that there's hope for those that we wonder about, there are hope for those that we wander with. And most of all, there's hope for us. And my prayer as I spent time with this parable this week was, oh Lord, I always want to be in the celebration. I don't want to be outside squandering the kingdom because I'm upset that somebody's different. That somebody's returned home for the umpteenth time And here we are. I want to suggest to you this morning in this concluding message of the series that if we embrace the idea of created to thrive, thriving happens within the kingdom of God, within God's vision of the kingdom. And that God's vision of the kingdom may be different than my vision of the kingdom. Sometimes in the church, some folks decide they need to protect the kingdom. And they'll go under the banner of trying to offer wisdom and help and say, you know, you should do it this way. Or you come and offer some kind of critique that says, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Or you shouldn't wear that. 
You shouldn't go here, shouldn't go there, shouldn't do this, that, or the other thing. You know, folks, sometimes the kingdom invites us to just shut up. That make sense? Just be quiet. Next week, we start on a series, five weeks on the Spirit. Because if we believe what Scripture tells us about the Spirit, the Spirit is at work. Our problem sometimes is we think the Spirit needs our help. Now, I know some of you have a hard time with that because some of you think it's your spiritual gift to go tell. And I confess there are times when I scratch my head. There are times when I wonder. But could I just say that the Holy Spirit of God has work that's being done beyond our knowledge. That when the Holy Spirit of God corrects, it's more effective than when I correct. And so let's just take great care. Now, I'm not saying we should never speak. If someone comes and invites us and says, how should I think? How should I act? Then that's an invitation for wisdom to help with discernment. Yes, we should lean into that space. And I will say to you, there are some folks who are gifted with the gift of evangelism. It's not my gift. I'm gifted to be a pastor. Some people have a gift of leading people to Christ. and I mean, It's just amazing. I can, but it's not something that's at the forefront of my giftedness. But think about that. I would just say to us, it is a better thing for us to be quiet and wait on the Holy Spirit than it is to speak. and risk speaking out of turn. And so what does the father do? The father doesn't say, okay, how many creditors do you have? How much am I gonna have to pay to clean this up for you? Tell me your story. There is one view in the commentators that says, the son said, I'll go say to my father. And the commentator said, he has decided to go home and sound religious just to get the father's favor. That's a really cynical view of the younger son's behavior. It's a judgmental view. Let's not be in that space, the cynical space. Kingdom of heaven doesn't invite us to cynicism, it, it, invites us, it invites us to healing and to hope, to transformation, to redemption.
And so when those who are on the journey toward home come home, let's be, let's be in the party. Years and years ago, I, I hate that I'm that old now. I watched a young man come from a life of alcoholism and addiction and clean his life up. So much to a degree that his wife, bless her heart, said, I don't know what to do with him. <laughs> He's a different man. And I said to her, you have prayed for this, welcome this. But this young man had an older brother. And the older brother was not a believer and the older brother laughed at him. And the older brother crushed what God was doing. And this young man, because of the older brother's behavior, went back into his old ways. And eventually it destroyed that family. Let's not be older brothers. So this morning as we come to the close of the service, I want us to be committed to thriving, committed to being on the journey toward the kingdom so we all appreciate and understand the work of God among us is to beckon us and draw us to the kingdom. Amen? Let's stand together. Receive this benediction. We are the children of God. We are on the journey toward the kingdom. I encourage you to embrace always moving toward home and encourage all others who are moving toward home and to welcome them and to celebrate with them whatever God is doing. Amen.